Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero. Pete, bad news. Uh, what happened? I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad. How's that my problem? Oh, my laptop was up there, too. <laughs> uh, okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting. I really wanted that latte, Pete. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, your... heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes, I changed it to Valentine's Day. Okay, we're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay, yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Ryan Ray and Ben Samuels present Bring in the Closers, a podcast on making deals and doing business. Okay, welcome into the second episode of Bring in the Closers. Ryan Ray alongside the Master Jedi himself, Ben Samuels. Ben, how's it going today, sir? Absolutely fantastic. Had a great weekend. What about yourself? You know, it's it was it was really good, and the only thing that was disappointing was I didn't get any listener feedback on the first episode. But I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's because we didn't release the first episode. And I I, I like to blame Nate, but I, actually I can't blame Nate this time, and I don't like to blame myself. But it's not even my fault. So that leaves one person on the show. We'll leave that person uh, nameless for now. But hopefully. Um, the first episode will be out by the end of the month. That's our goal, if not sooner. And uh, the second episode will follow shortly thereafter. See, I took it upon myself, you know, week one, you set a really lofty expectation. So I figured right off the bat, if I just came in under the bar, that we could start <laughs> off on the right foot. And then from there, we can build up. And so, you know, week one, I decided to hold back a little bit, wanted, wanted to delay the goods a little bit. So we, you know, now we have two podcasts to, to unveil you know, in short order and we can get people rolling but uh, you know I, I didn't want to come out of the gates hot you know well it, it it's it's a it, that's why you're a jedi master because what you're teaching them is is sometimes when you're closing a deal you have to let it marinate a little bit let it sit let it simmer before there's a real appetite for the deal at hand um okay we got an interesting topic to get into today um and it's around the issue something we talked about offline is about this idea of multitasking or having a lot of things to do. And I don't, we don't want this show to be a show where we're giving ourselves attaboys and look at what we do and all this stuff. But I do kind of want to walk through a little bit about just kind of our schedules that maybe a high view, a high level, and just kind of how we handle those things. Um, and just kind of explore, you know, when do we decide to dive in? When do we decide to delegate? When do we decide to take on more responsibility? And so just kind of, at a very high level, um, Ben, why don't you kind of walk us through, we talked last week, some of the things that you have going on, but you know, what does your typical week look like and how do you go about um, deciding when to dive in, when to press the pause button or when to pass on something? You know, th- those are some great questions. Um, I'll be honest, I could talk at, at length about any number of those different things. So I'm going to kind of start somewhere and then we can kind of, you know, jump off from there. But I think, what it comes down to, and I think at the highest level, what I'm always focused on are what are the tasks and what are the things on my plate and what are the things that I'm looking at 
that are going to move the needle the most, where I can be the most effective and I can have the most impact. And then most everything else, who, who can I delegate that to? How can I delegate that? How can I get those tasks and those other things done so that I'm maintaining, again, like we talked about last week and, and like uh, the listeners will hear once we get that podcast uploaded, uh, is you know it, it's about finding what you're good at, staying in your lane, and then finding the rest of the picture to come together. And so I think number one is you know, know your why. So, and I know a lot of people say that, and I've heard that on a lot of different podcasts. And so I have kind of a different view of that or, or this view that kind of cobbles a lot of that together. But really what it comes down to is, you know, why are you in the business that you're in? Why are you doing the deals that you're in? Why are you in the job that you're in? Whatever, whatever your situation is, you know, let's say, you know, there's probably some listeners that are in college, you know, why are you in the major that you're in? Why are you doing what you're doing? What is the goal? And I think it's really important to always have two focus, two things in focus at the same time. What are the short-term goals? What's the long-term goal? And are the short-term goals that you have in place going to actually realistically get you to that long-term goal? Because I think a lot of times what I find when, when talking to others and something that I constantly have to navigate around is making sure that in the short term, I'm being effective and I'm doing the things that need to be done for the short term, but also that, that I'm moving the needle to where I want to go long term. And I think a lot of times you kind of get bogged down in the weeds and you lose sight of one or the one or the other. And I think it's really important at all times to maintain that balance and, and keep those things in mind. Okay, so I would describe it like this for me, and I'm curious if this makes sense to you. I, I envision what I do is if you were to draw a big circle on a board, okay, and everything that I do needs to fit into that circle. And so, at least in my, my mind, that doesn't work for anybody else practically, but in my mind. So if I am doing this podcast with you, I have to be able to evaluate it and say, okay, I'm doing this podcast with Ben because I believe that this is going to benefit me in these one, two, three, four, whatever ways. They could be short term, be long term, it could be both. Um, and as I evaluate what I take on and what I do, I kind of look at it through those lens. And so I'll kind of give you just kind of how quirky I think on some level is. But on some level, I, um, I, I talked last week about managing fighters. Well, one of the things that I think about managing fighters is, is that, A, I'm always trying to figure out ways to increase my revenue just like everyone else is. Okay, well, that's an industry that's not tied to my main oil and gas stuff that I do. Okay, so there's that. There's also this reality, Ben, that for me is that there's spheres of influence that we all have. And celebrities have different spheres that we have. They get different opportunities, different people come to them. And if I can crack into some of that, if I get some big, big enough fighters and kind of work in that game, I can be exposed to people that I would never come across that then might come back and help me invest in an oil and gas opportunity or a real estate deal or whatever the case might be. And so that's kind of how I try to evaluate things. And as long as I'm doing something and it kind of works in that sphere and it's not too burdensome on me, uh, in that circle rather, and it's not too burdensome on me, I try to balance that, which means I take on um, some things that I'll try for a while and then I figure out, okay, these connections, I thought they were going to link up like this. It's not really going that way, so I'll, I'll scrap that. And there's other things that I do that, that blossom and they become um, even more fruitful than I would have thought from the beginning. So that's kind of how I do things, which means I have a lot of weird little things that are kind of going on. But in my mind, I'm trying to connect them saying, okay, uh, is this working out how I thought it was? And then if you were to bring me something new that's that's not at face value, 
what I would think it is. And I think I used the analogy last week or offline about, you know, selling lobsters or someone. Well, if I, if I were to get someone to offer me, hey, will you go and sell these lobsters or broker a deal for this lobster trade? I would have to first thing is, does this fit into the circle of, of, of how I'm doing things and all the things I'm trying to accomplish? And off the top of my head, it doesn't. So then I decide, can I fit it in there? Is there a reason to expand my circle? And I had to look at it like that. So I, I try to view things as I'm trying to bring as many people, as many contacts, as many things into this circle that I'm dealing with. Because ultimately, I think that that helps me, um, you know, do some of the things that I want to do in the long run. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the reasons that you and I work so well, because on that level, we speak the same language. So let's talk, let's take this lobster deal quickly and and look at this. And I'll give you kind of a brief overview of how I would step into that arena or what, what I'd be looking at, because that is completely outside the box, right? That's totally outside the fairway nothing I've done before, don't have any context in those markets, you know, that would be starting from the ground up, right? And so I think that that's, in, in a lot of sense, that's a great way, or that's a great deal for you and I to talk about as kind of a launch pad for this podcast on this episode to kind of give you an idea. And so first thing that, you know, someone came to me and said, okay, so I have 10,000 pounds of Maine lobster that's ready to be delivered I need a, you know, I need a buyer within 72 hours. They need to have this, this, and this qualification. And we're looking for this, this, and this. Do you have something? And, you know, so I would immediately say, you know, I, I don't off the top of my head. I don't have those contacts, but let, let me make some calls. Let me see what I can find out. And so my job from there would be, okay, so who do I know that has boots on the ground in the Northeast? Who do I know that maybe owns a seafood restaurant? Uh, I, I used to go to North, or I went to Northeastern in Boston for undergrad, huge seafood area. So I may, I may call some people in the Boston area. So I, I would make some calls in my network to figure out, okay, do I have any direct ties in? And then at that point, the person that I'm calling there, you know, if they have an, an actionable lead of something that I can take care of, it's, you know, depends on the relationship. So if they have a good enough relationship where it's just a call, phone call for them, say, Hey, I've, you know, I've got someone looking for some lobster and, and they want to put the deal together. Uh, you know, we would probably be discussing an equity split on, on the fee or however we might be able to put the deal together. Uh, and, and that way, because they're bringing a lot more of the value. Whereas, you know, let's say that, you know, somebody that I call knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, and I've got to make a number of calls to get to the right person. Each person in that chain is going to get taken care of and they'd each get a little finder's fee, but, but I'm doing a lot more of the legwork. And, and, and so the deal would come together a little bit more differently because the end goal and what we talked about on the first podcast, throughout this entire process, my goal is to make it the easiest, cleanest deal from my perspective as possible. And so that means that I'm getting direct to the buyer and I have a direct to the seller. And so that at that point, I step out of the way, put those two parties together and they get the deal done. And so, I mean, that's like one version and we can, we can take a whole podcast and talk about other avenues to take, but that would be what I'd be looking at just, you know, uh, off the top of my head, we just talked about this today. That's yeah. what I'd be looking at. Um, you know, and, and I mean, the, the, the end of that is, okay, so let's say that I make those phone calls and you know, I'm not able to find anything in short order, you know, in 20, 30 minutes of phone calls, I am, you know, I know that it's not going to be easy for me to put it together. And so I can make a phone call and say, listen, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't look like I have this. If I get some traction on it, I'll let you know, but it's not going to be something I'm going to be able to act on so that I can quickly get it off my plate. Whereas there's other deals like the, uh, some couple of deals that you and I are working on that it's not immediately apparent whether, you know, there's a deal or not, but it's attractive enough of a deal and there's enough traction to kind of 
go down that road a little bit farther. And I think one of the keys is, and we can talk about this as well, is like, when do you pull the ripcord? When do you stop that, you know, stop that process? Because like some of the things that we've talked about, you know, there's a point where it makes sense and then there's a point that it doesn't make sense anymore. And so I think it's really important to keep that in mind as well uh, um, when, when you're evaluating these things. Yeah. So one thing you didn't say at the beginning, you, you touched on, and maybe I would think about it a little bit differently just to use an officer deal. I know one person who is somewhat tied in that space and I don't know his level. So I could, I would call him up kind of like you're saying. And and so I would have one or two conversations from the beginning, which would be a to lobster man. Hey, what's the, what's in it for me that, or B it'd be with the first person I'd call. And I have a few other folks that are kind of deal people that I might you know, call you or some of the folks. But you know, one of the things that, that sticks out for the lobster deal, particularly for me is if, if the lobster person called me out, it would have to be very apparent. What's my cut on this? Because I don't know long-term anything about the lobster business and I'm probably not going to find it out um, enough to, even if we did this deal. So I, if it was an oil and gas deal, however, if you called me up and said, hey, um, or someone called me up and said, hey, um, I, I need so-and-so. I just need a name of a, of a person over here. I might just pass that along for free because there is a, there is a way that I can leverage that long-term. So just the fact that it's outside my normal sphere um, might is, is going to make me look at it more critically where something inside my sphere, depending on what's in my sphere, uh, my, my circle, if you will, um, I don't want to give away free deals all the time, but I might sometimes look at something and say, you know what, this is something I can just put these two people together. There's probably not a lot of money to be made. I can connect person A with person B. And then later on, I can leverage that hopefully for um, if I need something, I'm trying to close a deal later on, I can leverage that. So being outside the sphere, I almost start off with a different standpoint of how I'm going to um, to, to, to tackle this process. Absolutely. Completely agree. And even more so than that, uh, you know, to say it another way, if it's a deal in, inside the sphere, so if it's an oil and gas deal, you know how those deals are generally operating. You know how, you know, the, you know, the general fee, you know how they're generally put together. Whereas a lobster deal, I don't know if the general, you know, if the normal is a 10% cut. I don't know if the normal is, you know, a hundred dollars flat fee. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's a hundred dollars per pound, Like you have no idea how it's put together. And so you're also starting, you know, when, if you were to get traction on a deal, when you get to the negotiation table, you also need to have some guidance on that or, or you're, you know, yeah, like you said, I mean, you need to have a much better sense of what the upside is when it's a deal that's outside the scope. Yeah. And, and, and so there's a lot of things to think about when you look at stuff like that. Um, you, you, you sit back and you try to evaluate it and, you know, just to kind of beat the beat the dead horse, if you will. It's it's also the long term. Even if it was, you know, a three four thousand dollar, you know, getting the ten thousand dollar, you might say, okay, it's worth it. But is that ten thousand dollars going to take away from you know two or three months of my time where there's a lot more um, oil and gas stuff or, or or stuff closer to my what I'm used to that could be building upon that that, that I'm I'm going to lose out on. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it could be as easy as you know, if you were to call me and say, hey, I've got this guy looking for some lobster. But, you know, if we can get some lobster, a, a deal done with him, he also owns, you know, $100 million worth of oil and gas assets. I mean, you know, then I, you know, I can work all day. I'll work all day. You know, it, it <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, if, if there's a tangible upside, even if it's not to, with that deal specifically, if it's just a relationship builder, you know, I'll, I'll do, you know, there's a lot of times where I'll work and, and not take a fee if the back end, you know, if the back end makes sense, if there's an upside. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting because one thing you said, I think that that kind of gets mixed up here and you're talking about, you know, how to decide whether or not you want to proceed with a deal or if you want to pursue something um, is a lot of times, once you kind of establish a network, you can actually source out whether something at least has potential within the, you know, I, I would say a day, 
And, and I say a day because you might send a text message that took you three seconds, but it takes eight hours to get a reply. But you can, you know, you can make a few phone calls, send an email to a text message, whatever the case is. You can kind of do the bulk of the front end of the work pretty quickly. And then to, to kind of cast your lines out there just to see if there's some nibbles and then kind of sit to see what comes back and you can kind of move on to something. It's, it's then once, the, once there is a nibble, then you have to decide is it worth pursuing or not. So you hit on something really important, and, and I think it's really key because I'm not sure that we really talked about it on the first episode. Um, you know, I think you and I have both been talking about concepts that are almost, you know, step three, four, five in the process. And what I mean by that is step one, in order to get to where even where you and I are talking about, you need to build the network. You need to spend the time finding the right connections so that if you have a deal or if you have a question, you know who to call and you know the right people to be talking to that have the right information because there, there's no way to do you know the, a lot of these deals and there's no way to be the industry expert or the person that someone comes to you to to put a deal together unless a couple of things number one you have the connect you know the right connections or you are the right person and so if you're not you know if you and I are not going to be running companies that own the assets that we're selling and and, and, and you know not running a picture like that. You need to have the network and, and be able to, to put the right people in the right place. Uh, and it's because it's not just as simple as you're hearing about a deal and then making some calls and putting it together, right? I mean, you need to know who you know, who to call and, and and what to what to do when the deal comes across your desk. And I think that that's kind of a we can kind of gloss over that, but I think that's a really important first step. Yeah, and and just to kind of piggyback on some of the networking stuff, let's talk about that because one of the things that you know I'm sure listeners and, and people in general is is how do you build that network out? And we talked briefly last episode about kind of this idea of a of a side hustle, if you will. And I think what, one of the things that that I realized over time was is is that if you just start if you start with the idea of being of hey I'm not going to make any money. Let's just just kind of put that out. I'm not making money. But I am going to start passing along information. I am going to start sharing opportunities. What you will find is is that there are people out there that have those connections to the people that you're wanting to get to, or they themselves can help facilitate it. Now, if you start with the kind of preconceived notion of I'm not going to make any money, what happens is is the way you present something changes because you're like, hey, man, look, listen, just so you know, uh, Bob over here needs this and Cy needs this and I don't know what to do with it. I'm just passing it off to you. Now you genuinely, you genuinely might not make any money, but the odds are, if the person has any integrity, any any um, any um, wits about them, they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to actually give this guy a referral fee or what the case is. But that seems to be the easiest way to build it, and you build it based upon this this idea of you're you're trying to learn the business without having to um, demand a fee or or this that and the other. And you probably will get paid on most of those type things anyways, until you can kind of get your feet wet and expand your network. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think you hit it right on the head. I, we, we talked at length about that, but, but I, I think absolutely. I think you have to be intentional with, with how you put it together. And, I, you know, I think it's a process, um, but no, I, I agree. And you, but you think that's the way to build out your network? Cause that's what you said, you kind of skipped to three and four. Do you think that's how the best way someone's listening is like, you know what? I want to get the deal making business or I want to start making more deals. Um, I don't have the network. Um, I guess what I'm proposing is, is try test your network by bringing opportunities or, or, or what the case may be to your network. Um, it's, it's, it's hard for someone who might be a salesperson or a CEO or a project manager to start overnight saying I'm putting deals together. 
because they say, well, what's your track record? Well, none. Well, and, and you, here you're kind of reverse engineering it by bringing opportunities to people. And it might be something small as, um, you know, uh, I need, you know, this person needs a sales lead. Here I gave it to them. That is a deal. Person needs a sales lead and you give them the opportunity. Um, so how would you suggest for someone that wants to, um, you know, because that's what you, you said, we kind of skipped the set three or four. What is that, that, that key step to building up your network that way? Gotcha. Yeah, I, I misunderstood the question on the front end. No, I think, you know, it's what you're comfortable with, right? I don't think there's one answer for that. I, I think what comes to mind when you talk about that, when you were sent, you know, asking me the question is find the way that you're going to bring the most value to whoever the partner is. And so, you know, there are some firms that have very specific, you know, they're looking for this type of asset in this area and they have very specific, uh, you know, and so if you happen to know someone at one of those firms, try to figure out what those parameters are, then, you know, make, try to, you know, and we could talk at length about, you know, deal generation and lead generation models. Mm. But I mean, you know, the goal would be then to go find someone in your network or someone that you're, you know, interfaced with in, in some other uh, way that has access to that sort of deal. Or, you know, if, if someone calls you and says, Hey, Ryan, I've, I've got you know 600 uh, acres of minerals to sell in Clascott County, but I don't know what I'm doing with it, you know, and you don't have any of the, any of the network or any of the contacts. You know, the first thing that I would do is I would pick up the phone and, you know, or, or like look through like an AAPL, uh, you know, uh, directory and call someone that look uh, like after I'm looking at their website, they're buying minerals in that area and kind of like organically work the process. Because I think one of the important parts of this process and one of the things that uh, you know, we could talk about again at length is, you know, I may see, I may define a good partner or someone that I want to bring deals to and work with differently than you and differently than someone else. And so I can't tell you what a good partner is and like what, a, you know, what you're looking for and someone to bring deals to. And so it's going to be trial and error. I mean, you, there's a lot of lessons learned in putting your deals in front of, of groups that, uh, you know, there's a lot of groups that act in certain ways and, and do business in certain ways that won't jive with everybody and how they do business. So, I mean, you just kind of have to work through the process, right? And, and so I think it's really granular, but I think part of that process is finding your niche, finding the value that you can bring. And then also within the people that you know, you know, how can you do them the best service and, and who do you want to work with? I know that was kind of a long-winded answer, but no. those are, you know, those are kind of some of the things I'd be thinking about. Yeah, and, uh, and we'll get back to the multitasking thing. Uh, the only thing I would say is that one thing that it's hard for us to remember is this people in general is that most people aren't interested in things that we're in. So if you're around a bunch of engineers uh, that are serious, like design type engineers, they're really into engineering. They're probably not going to be into deals and putting together stuff. Some of them are, I'm not discouraging engineers just picking a title here, but they're probably more oriented around projects and building stuff or, or whatever the case may be. Um, if you're in sales, then you're going to be around a lot of salespeople, which means that you feel like everyone's probably more inclined to, to do deals or to put stuff together because that's, that's what you're around. But actually, there's a lot of people out there who have no interest, but they have um, or don't have as much interest as you do. So building up your network where you can find leads or refer leads is probably a little bit easier. Um, but if you're in the sales type position, it probably feels like everyone's wanting to do it. The reality is I don't think most people actually want to kind of go down this bunny hole that we go down. Absolutely. No, it, this is a very specific, and I, and I think one of the reasons that I picked this niche above or some, you know, among others is the fact that there's, there's not very much competition in this specific niche. And what I mean by that is that one of the things that I have found 
time and time again. And there's a lot of value to this. I'm not talking down on it at all, but there are so many people. And I would say the vast majority of people, they want to stay in their lane. So once you figure out what the lane is, they want to stay in that lane. And so, you know, if they're, you know, if their company is only buying producing minerals in the Delaware basin, generally they're going to stay, you know, doing that or, you know, and there's not a lot of people that have the appetite to be, you know, flexible and malleable enough to do kind of all these different things. And so I think to a certain extent, I think there's value in being, being the industry expert. And so if you could, you know, position yourself that anybody in the Delaware basin, if they're looking for SWD development for, you know, under, you know, these six operators, like you're the person that they call, you know, that those kind of things are invaluable to the market for, for both sides and for the person doing it. So that, you know, what I mean by that is if you're the person that can position yourself in that niche that I just painted, the operators are going to learn to love you because you can develop deals directly with them. The, uh, the landowners are, are going to love you because you're the one that can walk the deal into the right person at the right groups and get them top dollar. And then you're going to do really well because you're the one putting all the deals together. And so those are like the win-win wins that I'm talking about. And, but it takes, it takes a lot of time and care to, to, you know, to be that person. Right. Okay. Let's circle back around to where we kind of started before we went off this, this tangent, but it was kind of necessary. I think let's talk back to where we were, which was multitasking delegation, how to figure out what tasks to do. Um, you know, one of the things being when you're talking about, um, you know, you know, work-life balance, or you're talking about time management, or you're talking about, um, you know, how to do certain things. It's really hard for me to describe how I think about things because I, I, I found more so by other people's actions than, than, than my own is that I just think about stuff a little bit differently than they do. And I'll give you an example. If I am sitting around and I don't have anything to do, and I've got four or five things that I'm working on that, that, um, they're just stuck. They're just stuck for whatever reason. I can't get this thing down the line. I pick my phone up and I go through all my old text messages. If I have a text message on the phone, I scroll through it. I don't care if it's two years old. If I text you, I'm looking to see what we talked about to kind of generate, okay, maybe there was something with this person that I've, over, over, I've omitted. I might get on LinkedIn. Um, there's kind of becomes this, this tenacity to where when I might have 15 things, but if I have something that kind of gets stuck and I, and I got to figure out how to do it, um, I don't, I, just, I don't know how to explain it other than I, I, I kind of go, I need to exhaust all options. And it seems sometimes that gets lost is that there's probably a lot of options out there for people. Um, when you're talking about multitasking, though, you can kind of get caught off guard, but we have to be able to balance multitasking and then lasering in to do something and then getting back out of that thing and going on to something else. So how do you handle that? Um, you know, you've got 15 things going on. Some of them are more involved than others. Um, but something kind of gets you know jammed up or it's not progressing. How do you get it off of, get it off the of center, if you will? Yeah, I think one of the things, and I will freely admit that that I am not the best at this. I, it's something that I'm actively working on getting better at. But going back to this theme, you and I have talked about. Uh, you know, once the podcast that we uh, recorded, uh, the other podcast for the other series launches, you know, we'll get into this. But I think setting the expectation up front about telling people that I'm involved with, listen, you know, I'm, I'm working on a number of different things. And so I may drop the ball on this or that feel free. You know, if there's something that's on my plate that I need to do and you need an answer for me, you know, send me an extra text or, or call me an extra time. That, that's okay. Uh, but you know, with that, if, if I get, and I tell people, you know, if I get to the point where it doesn't look like this is going to make sense, I'm going to need to move on to something else. And, and just having that be the expectation on the front end 
avoids it being an issue on the back end. And so I think it's, a, you know, I, I do that. I, I tell people that, that. And so that's a part of the balancing act for me is, is maintaining that focus. I want to be people, you know, someone that people can bring, you know, deals to and bring assets to. And depending on what level of involvement they're looking for me to have, I mean, if it's just, you know, uh, I'm just, giving them counsel or just, you know, they've got some questions and I'm answering questions, you know, my desk, my phone is always open for that. You know, I, I don't need time, you know, I don't need extra time for that. But if there's something, you know, if there's a deal that I'm going to have an immense amount of involvement in, it needs to make sense and it needs to align. And I need to have the freedom to engage with people that will, will be okay with me, you know, uh, put, you know, drawing that line when it makes sense for me. So let's, let's dive in that a little bit more because that's kind of interesting to me. Um, we'll use a, I know this is a kind of a baseball themed title, but we'll use a kind of a basketball analogy here. Um, what is at T-Mobile for business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently so you can focus on what matters most. That's why we've become the leader in 5g number one in customer satisfaction and a partner who includes 5g in every plan. So you get it all. Unconventional thinking is better for business. Open Signal awards T-Mobile as America's fastest 5G network USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain planner features. See T-Mobile.com. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Your typical, when someone calls you about something, are you wanting to be more of the, the point guard who's kind of get the ball, facilitating it, and then maybe the ball comes back to you and you got to shoot it, maybe it doesn't? Or are you wanting to be that kind of traditional low post player who we're dumping it down and we're feeding and you're wanting to put up, you know, you know, 30 points and 10 rebounds. Um, you want to be the kind of late game three-point artist who comes in and, you know, hits a big shot. Uh, where do you kind of see yourself, um, if someone brings something to you before they even bring it to you, where do you think, you know, what optimally I would like to fit in here and why? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, uh, and, you know, I'm going to avoid on this podcast, avoid at all times trying to be like a broken record. But I think it goes back to this concept of, so one of the things that I love more than anything, and I truly mean this, is if some, when someone calls me and says, hey, I'm looking at X, Y, or Z, or I'm thinking about business proposition, you know, A, B, C, here's what I'm thinking about, here's the issue that I have, what do you think about that? I love those conversations. That's what really like gets me going. So, so what I'm, uh, you know, so taking that picture, that's what I love. And so when I do that on the deal side, that's really, you know, gets me motivated. And, and so, you know, I will say, I will admit that I like to have control over the deals that I'm working on. And so that means a lot of times that, that I like to be able to call the shots, um, you know, and that's not to say that I don't play ball, but that, that just means that if, if someone is bringing me in and bringing a deal to me, what that tells me is that they're looking for me to provide value. And the way that I can provide value is by orchestrating the deal the way that it makes the most sense. Um, now that being said, if it's, if it's explicit or, you know, if it's understood that I'm just on like the advisory role or if somebody calls me a, a lot of times, someone will call me and say, I, I was just talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and they said, Hey, I look, I'm looking at this working interest under uh, operator X in the Permian. Do you have, you know, do you have a contact at that operator? And we talked about how the deal would come together. I figured out how, you know, what, what my side would be. And then I just made the connection and we put a phone call together and then I let them run with it because that's how they wanted to get it done. So, you know, there are times I'm absolutely happy to step out of the way. Uh, you know, and so it really kind of depends again, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, it depends on at what level I'm involved and in, in what I'm being asked to do. Uh, but in answer to your question, 
there's a lot of times where I just have conversations with people that have like, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday about, yesterday about a nonprofit idea that they have and that, you know, there's no upside for me. There's, there's no fee base, you know, but we were talking about, you know, through a lot of the problems that they're, they're looking at. And, and I love that we're having those conversations. And so it kind of depends. It's really, it's a time management thing more than anything, right? That's what it comes, that's what all of this comes down to. It comes down to time value of money. It, you know, it, it comes down to, I think that if you or I, if someone were to ask you, you or I, you know, what is your time worth? Not, not what do you charge someone per hour, but what is your time worth? That number would probably scare a lot of people. And I think that that's the, that's the point where that we value our time such that we know what value we can bring. And so, you know, we're, and we're and if it falls under that price point, we're, I mean, I won't speak for you, but if it falls under that price point, more than likely, I'm going to delegate everything else because it's not worth my time. It, it doesn't, it doesn't move the needle enough. And I think that that's all kind of wrapped into the whole picture. Yeah. It's interesting because I would say for me personally, um, is I really want to find someone who has something um, and then me make the 10, 15 phone calls, whatever, find the person who's far better, far more technically um, experienced or whatever the case would be, and let them walk through it, allowing my see, myself enough to see the table that when there, when there is a problem, I say, yeah, when there is a problem, I can come back in and help solve the problem and move things along it feels like that works out better for me because I, I want to be doing, you know, a thousand different things. That's what I'm the happiest when I got about a thousand different things going on and I can kind of pop in, I can go on, I can do this, I can go on. Um, that's what keeps my interest level. And so I, I really like having enough to see the table where I come back in, there's some kind of log jam and I can say, okay, Hey, this is my two cents on what we should do. Um, that's kind of how I try to, to run the businesses that I'm involved with is let the people that do it and there's a problem, let me come in and try to try to solve it. Um, but but I learned a long time ago, Ben, that I'm not a real technical person. That's just not just not my deal. I don't want to sit here and learn how to, you know, we got Nate as a podcast. I used to get my own podcast and you know, I, I learned just the very minimum to be able to produce it because I'm not a technical person. That just it just I lose interest um after a short period of time on learning technical things or um, things that don't interest me. So I, I kind of see it as, you know what, if there's if there's opportunities, let me see if I can put the people together who are far more experienced or have a, or have more interest in maybe doing this, that, or the other. The other. Um, and then I can come back in. At the same time, if there's three people involved in a deal, I can go and say, you know what, um, let me work on this other thing. And maybe it ties into this, maybe it doesn't. But I like to just be, I always kind of joke around five wide, football 90 full court press basketball 90 that's kind of i like to be like that just kind of wide open just there's there's just things coming and i want to be able to, to facilitate that yeah which is a little bit different we, than what you're which is a little bit different i think we're talking about it from two different angles because i think i was talking about it more at, at the micro level and not the macro level but at the mm -hmm. macro level I, I i agree with you you as well i think it's about being able to be the point at a macro level i think it is about being able to be the point guard and call the shots and, and kind of direct the flow and and figure out kind of who's going to do what, what what's going to happen, and, and where things going to go. I think that's really important. I was talking about more on the micro level of like once you're in a deal, but no, I, th I think at a you know at a project flow level, I, you know, I completely agree with, with what uh, you know what you were talking about. Um, I don't know if Nate caught that, by the way, but what I understood is that Nate should be charging you more. We'll cut that out before we send it to Nate. That's what we'll <laughs> that's what we'll do. <laughs> Oh, poor Nate. Um, he's in his little dungeon typing away right now. <laughs> so 
we talked last week briefly about this kind of idea of the, of the phone is always on. And it was kind of funny because like two days later, I was off going fishing and I was texting you about something. I don't remember what it was now, but you know, um, now that fishing spot doesn't have service. So that's kind of <laughs> the phone side on there. But, but generally speaking, you know, we talk about, um, the, the, again, kind of go back to where we're multitasking delegation, but the, the accessibility, and it's not just the accessibility, it's the accessibility and the ability to kind of pull up where you were when this particular item you were discussing was last discussed. So it's not just that Ben can answer the phone. Ben has to answer the phone or respond to the text in a timely manner and keep up with, hey, this is what we're talking about. How do you balance that? Like, how do you, um, are you a note taker or are you someone who, I know we have a little kind of a little project board that we kind of share for some of the stuff we're working on. Uh, I use that stuff a little bit. I mean, how do you, in your mind, keep track of everything that you have going on? You know, it's a constant battle. I, I'm constantly looking at different tools that are online. There, there's so much stuff that's coming available with like artificial intelligence and all these calendars and, and all these different integration tools. And so I'm, I, I make it a project to consistently be kind of testing out whatever's coming out or kind of trying to keep up with, with those things. But I mean, in short, uh, I, I will tell you, I would be absolutely lost without my calendar. My calendar is, is my guide. Uh, you know, there was like a running joke. I don't know if you uh, were, I don't know if you plug into Google Calendar nearly as much as I do, but a couple of weeks back, uh, the Google Calendar went down for about 10 hours. And like, there, there were like memes going around about how people were just like wandering around lost because no one knew where, like, where to go. <laughs> right. And, I, and right. I'm like kind I'm like kind of that way. I mean, I have a very good idea on a day-to-day -day basis. Like when I wake up in the morning, I know exactly what I've got on the schedule that day. But mm -hmm. like, I wouldn't be able to tell you what I have four days out, five days out. I mean, you know, it's all about the calendar. Uh, I tie in uh, my to-do list with my calendar. And so like things, even as granular as like, I, I try to stretch and do meditation for 15 minutes a day each, every single day. Uh, I try to read for at least an hour every single day. And like, even those tasks are in my calendar and, and they ping me. And so like, I, you know, I, I've just kind of modeled my, what works for me is keeping myself very scheduled and very on task. Uh, and, and within that, you know, th there's actual intentional time that is scheduled as free time or, or, you know, just time that I can for myself. So it's not as though I'm booked, you know, minute to minute with th things that are occupying my time. Cause I think it's very important to debrief and, and be able to have that introspection, but, but that's something that works for me. Uh, and so that's something that, you know, that I keep, I have a to-do list. I have a number of a number of to-do lists that are consistently being turned over. And, and you know, I'm I'm definitely the type of person. Like one of my things is there are times where if if I've already done something but I knew it needed to go on the to-do list, just something that like you know, gets me ticking is I'll write it down and then draw a line through it, or you know, I'll check it off mentally because that's just I enjoy kind of the game of checking a mental task off or checking a task off and so I think that's kind of you know one of the things I want to talk about is find what works for you find the motivation that works for you for me it's like I said it's like checking off the tasks one by one and so for me every single day when I wake up and it says you know stretch for 15 minutes in my schedule from seven you know generally from seven to seven fifteen in the morning at 7.15, when I get to like click the box that says, you, you know, I've done this, I love that. And so like, that's the feeling that I like seek. And so those are my little rewards on a daily basis. And so, but that's, you know, that's different for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, that that's, you know, that was, again, that was a long-winded answer, but that's what I, that's how I keep track of my stuff. I've got, um, I use Evernote 
I use monday.com for the project board that like the one that you and I share, uh, I use Google calendar and then, um, and then sometimes, you know, if I'm on let go and Evernote isn't working or, you know, Evernote isn't loaded, I'll just use the native, uh, notes app on Apple on, on the iPhone. But those are the four things that I'm constantly plugged into and keeping kind of uh, up to date. So, yeah, you're right. One of the thing about being, you know, everyone's got to figure out what works for them. I can tell you the most effective I am is when I have a notebook, a pen, and I write down all of my tasks for the day, not meetings, because um, I, I keep meetings in a calendar, but tasks. I got to do these things. Um, one of the things I learned was if I write down my task and I've gotten a bad habit of doing this, this is part of the reason I'm curious what you're, how you do it is, um, if I write down my task and I've got, mm, let's just say 15 tasks to do, and they're not always gotta be done today. There's just things that I have to do. I can look at those tasks and in the moment evaluate which one either is the hottest priority it has to be done now, or it might be really easy. Um, let me go ahead and do that. And, and I do enjoy that writing a list down that has no order other than this is just how I thought of these items. Okay, I got to do this, 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 and composing this running tally of these lists. And then when I get through with one, I scratch it off and I re-examine the list and what and and, and um, here's what ne here's what's next. And the reason I like that is because I don't like putting things in order in that regard because if I start a task at say 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm not done at 1130 by 11:30, my whole priority of what I thought was the second thing could have changed and in that hour and a half I might have had to add three more things to my list and so therefore so I like an unorganized list and I haven't been doing this lately so that's why I need to I, I started using the notes app I do like just the native notes app because that's very simple here's what I got to do um, to me, that feels more, I don't like to use the word organic, but it is a little bit more organic. It, it, it allows me to um, just to kind of churn through the things, but I've gotten away from that. I need to get back to something. That's why I was curious how you, how you tackled it. I don't like the, there's a, there's a quote, discipline equals freedom. I don't know who said that, and I think it's, there's some truth in that. Um, I don't like the, the discipline that you have, although I admire it. Um, and like you said, you got to figure out what works for you, but that's where I've had the most success when I've been the most effective is just getting up and writing down all my tasks in no particular order. So, so two things that, that came to mind when you, when you were talking, number one, the thing that I do the most or the, the, that I think works the most effectively for me, and, and this is probably pretty generic, but I group tasks in terms of what the task is. So if I've got eight people that I need to email to, whether it's me sending an email or responding to an email, I'll try to do those back to back to back. If there's, you know, if I'm looking at a map and I've got three different prospects that I need to review, I'll try to do that in one chunk. That's again, that's just works. What works for me. Um, no, I think that's a great point, Ryan. I, I think one of the things that I keep in mind, one of the one of the things that I'm always conscious of is I want to keep my brain and my mind free to think about deals or think about the, the tasks at hand that, that are the most important. There's a lot of things like you were talking about. There's a lot of deals that I have on my plate and there's a lot of things that I just need to be thinking about. And so I can't afford to have my brain cluttered with okay, I have to be here at one o'clock and I've got to talk to this person and I've got to do this and that. So I, I, I make sure that all of the, like the noise up here is down somewhere so that I can look at some, something written down. And so I think that that's what works for me. If we were able to like walk around my office here, you know, on, 
I think four or five different walls in my office in different places. I have these just transparency boards that are put up on doors and walls that I just have running tally lists of things that I need to do and, and, and stuff that I need, need to be accomplishing and people that I need to be talking to and, and you know, just deals and, and you know, whatever works for me that, that when I look at it, I can get clued in and be like, okay, that's, that's where we you know, picked up. And so like, to your point, you know, a constant battle for me and what I'm always doing on a daily basis is, okay, so I talked to this person about this deal and we move the needle to here. And so here's the new update. And because, you know, like, like you said, I can't afford to talk to somebody and, and, you know, spend, okay, so remind me where we were, remind me what we talked about last week that, you know, that that's wasting my time, that's wasting their time. And, and then at that point, I'm no longer adding, you know, enough value. I'm not adding the value that I should be. And so I think it's about keeping, you know, for, for me, like I said, what works for me is keeping the brain able to move moving forward and thinking about the, the important deal and the important pieces rather than the minutia of tasks and things that need to get done. And, and the hard part for me is, and I'll say a minute ago, is that, you know, I, 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 I'm most successful when I'm writing it down. But the problem is, is that I, I get a little arrogant. I think I don't have to write it down. I've kind of got it all there and I kind of get out of that. The next thing you know, uh, Nate's emailed me. Hey, you're supposed to respond to this. Will's emailing me. What about this? So and so's about this. Um, and it, it's easy to slip out of that. But what you find is, is that um, again, kind of this idea of multitasking. You really can't do it that well. I don't think. I mean, I think multitasking, if I was going to define it, is you got a lot of tasks that you're working through. You can't do them all at one time, which means that when you're focused on, as you were saying, um, this particular item over here, you can't. You just can't be spending a lot of brain power on something else. Um, and it's, it's it's hard for me to. I don't know if humble is the right word or be um, um, responsible enough or whatever it is, be consistent in jotting down what I have to do because sometimes you feel like you can conquer the world, but you've got to stay disciplined. Absolutely. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think to a certain extent, it's, it's giving yourself the ability and the permission to write things down as opposed to having to be a mental lockbox. And, and so, I mean, I allow myself to like, if you're like, if you were to ask me right now, you know, what's your schedule like on Wednesday? I couldn't tell you, but I could tell you, you know, in, you know, and so it's not important enough for me to know what I've got to do on Wednesday because I've got it right here. It doesn't matter, you know, what my 78, you know, uh, you know, item long to do list is because I can tell you, you know, if you had a question about one of the things I can tell you, it's, it's more important. Okay. So, you know, you and I are working on project X. What did I talk to, you know, what did I talk to the guy about yesterday? And what's the critical update for you? When, so when you and I have time to talk about things next, and that's the other thing, it's, it's about being able to have the information accessible because you know, if you and I are working on two different deals together, three different deals together, we also have a number of other things going on. And so you and I may not be able to talk every single day, but when you and I do have the time, it needs to be, it needs to be valuable and it needs to be you know, accessible. And so when we, talk, when we do talk, I need to be able to download, offload, okay, this, these are the updates for you. And I think that's one of the reasons, I mean, you and I have enough products going on that we've got this, you know, this Monday board, but we, you know, I don't have that relationship with, with a lot of the guys that I do deals with. And so when they call me, I need to be able to you know, pick up the phone and, and say, okay, so here's where we are, here's where we need to go. Yeah, that, okay, so I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's the counter to why I'm, I don't, I, there, there's some of the things I mentioned about not writing it down. But the other thing is about not writing stuff down or not putting on task thing is, is I do let those things slip to the cracks. However, my retention for the other things is very high because once I write it down, I don't think about it. And so if I don't write stuff down, um, I can usually retain what it is because there's kind of this, this force of, Hey, I've got to remember what's going on. 
so how do you balance that? Because that's a struggle for you. If I write something down, it's on the list and I don't think about it. Really what I think you're talking about is I think you're talking about retraining your brain, retraining your mental process to cue into the mental, the mental list versus the written list. And so again, it's, it's about delegation. It's, it's about I mean, you're, what you're talking about. What I think we're, we're kind of dancing around is, is how do you mentally delegate things? What's, what's worth the bandwidth up here versus what's, you know, what can be put into a device? We have access to so many different technologies and so many different devices these days that, you know, why am I going to keep in mind the, you know, the, the mundane checklist and the to-do list? Why does that need to be up here when it can be here? And so what I think you're talking about is, and it takes, it takes work, but I mean, you know, so now when I'm thinking about like a, a to-do list or a project to-do list, I, I have a hard time coming up with a organic to-do list in my brain. But if I look at, if I'm looking at one of my notes, I may only have three words written down, but that'll drop my brain about, you know, yeah. no. two, di- two dozen different things. And so I think it's about tra- retraining your brain on what the mental cues are and, and what triggers the thought process more than anything. No, and that's a good point you brought up there is that once you kind of get into this, the, the, the habit of the, the, the list making, it's, it doesn't have to be super formal because it's weird. Your brain, I used to, there's, there's a, <laughs> I don't know why it's one of those memories that never forgot. I've never forgotten about why, but we went to this meeting one time and I had a list of like four ash items. And one of them was change Patrick's and I, this change Patrick. And so I handed it to the guy with me. I said, you know what that means? I did. He did. And he goes, I don't know. Is Patrick a baby or, you know, he need new clothes? What's going on here? But, but to me, I knew everything that there was about that. And of course, if it had been, a, you know, three months later and I would have looked at it, it'd probably been a lot harder. But in that moment, I, I knew what it was. And so there is something to, um, you know, the, the list making, if you can kind of teeter on that line of not spending three hours filling out your task report versus keeping it short enough where you will, you can look at it three days later and remember what that means. Absolutely. I mean, you know, what we're talking about here, Ryan, is, is you need to find, I mean, this is a trial and error. There are going to be some people that are listening to this that will, you know, be tied into their calendar on their phone. There, you know, there are some people like you see right here on my, on my wall, there are some people that are going to tell you that unless it's written down on a calendar, like in pen, that they can't follow it. There are going to be some people that carry around, you know, I know people that still carry around notepads that write down notes. And so when, when I'm in meetings, you know, my, my process is when I'm sitting down with somebody in a meeting face-to-face, I always have a yellow pad with me and I'm jotting down the important notes so that when I go back afterwards, I can, in my own brain, make my to-do list and make my checklist that works for me. And so it's, it's about what works for you at, at each step in the process. And so, you know, there are going to be some people that, okay, so like trying writing down something on, on the wall calendar and then like realizing after a week and a half, like, you know, I've, I've, I've been trying to do this, but I haven't even looked at it once. Okay. So like the next thing you try is, okay, like try the Google calendar and okay, that's not working. And so what I would advise to somebody, and this is getting really, really granular, but you know, I would advise even as something as if you, so if you're carrying around an iPhone and you're trying to get in the habit of writing down notes more often or, or using the calendar more often, go into your calendar and set a reminder for every, let's call it two hours and just to have the reminder say, check your calendar or write a note, just like, just mundane details because then after seeing that notification you know five times a day for a week you're either going to train your brain and figure out okay let let me start doing this or you're going to move on to option c and so it's about figuring out like in this specific niche it's just about trial and error it's about finding out what works for you because some people everybody's going to work differently right and there's no right way yeah 
I think this is kind of see if we somewhere somewhere like this. For me, the balance when you're talking about whether it's multitasking, delegation, um, any of these things is is that you have to figure out you have to kind of figure out where it is that for me I have some you know, we can call it insecurity or whatever of uh, being called a list of I, I, I've done it I must say I have it but I, and there's plenty of things that I don't put in the memory bank that people call me up and I do put things out of mind for sure it seems like you got to kind of figure out okay a where do you want to be um what tasks are important what tasks are easy what are hard how to break those down how much level of detail you're getting into all those things i think um really depend on the person and at the end of the day it's kind of you gotta like you said there, there's a trial and uh, a trial and um I can't even think now. Trial and and and, uh, and fail almost aspect to this, and as you work through it, you kind of figure out where you are. But I think the comfort is is kind of the key. Is it's not it's not that Evernote's the best or, or this or Monday's the best. For me, it comes down to comfort with when you call me. What is it that I feel like I should know about when you call me? Um, and I need to gear myself around how much I can take on, how many tasks I can do how many things I can work on. All of this stuff to me boils down to when the phone rings or when you text me, can I answer that question? And if I can, and it's an important question, then my system is generally working. If I can't, then either I've got too many lists or I've got not enough lists or, or what are the cases or I'm involved too much or, or not enough. That's kind of how I would summarize that. Yeah, you know, I think that you and I, I think we see a lot of the similarities, but I think you, to a degree, I think we're saying, we're basically saying the same thing. Um, but I think it's, you know, it, it's it, it's interesting. I've got a lot to say about that, but really what I think, what I think it comes down to is being able to be authentic and being able to be valuable to the people in your network. And so like, you know, this, this is not necessarily specifically addressing what you just said, but I mean, I think it points a good picture. When I message somebody out of the blue, because I'll message people, you know, completely sight unseen if they're, you know, in an industry that's related to me or something like that. And, and, you know, I generally, when I, I don't know about you, and we could talk about this on this podcast or another, um, but when, when I message someone on LinkedIn, for the first time, or sorry, when I make a connection request, a lot of times I will not send a long-winded message with that request. I, I'm more looking to make the connection because to me, it's almost like a litmus test of someone, okay, if they're accepting my request be, with a little bit of information, that means that they may be you know, willing to kind of play ball, you know, maybe a little bit more kind of entrepreneurial minded, et cetera. And so then I'll follow up with something as simple as, you know, hey, I appreciate you following up or accepting my connection request. Um, Zahav Resources does X, Y, and Z in the midstream and, and mineral space. Here's the kind of different deals that we're looking at. Here's what we do in the market. Here are the relationships that we're trying to foster. And here are the people that we, and here are the companies that we like to work with. Uh, you know, if you think there would be some synergy with that, you know, with this description, should we message back and let's get on a call and just kind of see where, where we can take things. And so I, cause I think on the front end, I like to set up the expectation of, I want this to be a flexible relationship. I want this to be a win-win, but at the same time, I'm walking in the door with, you know, how can I provide value to you? You know, in, you know, obviously in return, I'm going to get value for that. But I think 
you know, looking at it through that prism of, you know, what can I do to step in the door and be a value to you? So to your point, you know, to me, it's not necessarily about, you know, being a, a, a lockbox of information up here, but it's, you know, it's more, it's more macro than that. Again, we could talk about this at length, but that's kind of, to wrap it up, that's kind of what, I, what I'm looking at. Okay. Well, and I think we said offline, we'll say online is that it doesn't have to be that we're, we're not on this show to agree about everything or to have 100% of alignment. It's more to talk about uh, the opportunities we see, how we do things, and just kind of flesh some of that out. And uh, sometimes just, there will be perfect unity and sometimes there won't be. I'm just looking forward to at some point, one of these, we're going to flip roles and I'm, I'm going to be the one in the, in the, uh, in the host seat, if you will. And I'm going to be grilling you. It's going to be, all, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Yeah, well, maybe if we get one released, uh, then we can flip roles. <laughs> uh, to the listeners, be sure to connect with Ben and myself on LinkedIn. We'll link our profiles in the show notes. We will talk to you next week. T-Mobile for Business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently so you can focus on what matters most. That's why we've become the leader in 5G, number one in customer satisfaction, and a partner who includes 5G in every plan. So you get it all. Unconventional thinking is better for business. Open Signal awards T-Mobile as America's fastest 5G network USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Capable device acquired. Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero. Pete, bad news. Uh, what happened? I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad. How's that my problem? Oh, my laptop was up there, too. <laughs> uh, okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting. I really wanted that latte, Pete. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with Connection.